0: So, what a day to start the show. It's so cold, winter is finally here. So, like I said last week, on the last episode, that you're going to get in, within the week because it's such a good episode and I wanted you guys to hear it all. Now, at the end of this episode, I get asked um, about shooting and if it's um, being ethical for the, um, for the meat side and bits and pieces like that. I didn't really have an answer I put me on the back foot a little bit um, but I've thought about it ever since and do you know what, I actually finally have the answer what is the difference between rearing pheasants to be shot than rearing a cow to be put down dispatched um, for meat or chickens and quite frankly there isn't any difference But with game, okay, pheasants are a non-native species. But with game, at least, you know, you only shoot 40% of what you put down. So you're giving something back to the community. You know, it's controlled. It's not just about killing. And like I say in the video about the management side, that also goes alongside with it. But I shan't ruin the episode for you. You have to wait to the end to hear that bit of a conversation, but that was just my views, my thoughts on on game shooting. So, to that to that end, let's uh, let's have a listen. But before we start that, sh- but before we start the episode, I want to talk about this week's sponsors. So, of course, um, my show is not without anything if I don't plug Sally Shooting. So, Sam who kindly, kindly, kindly said to me, uh, asked me to go clay shooting the other day for him, um, because he's just taking a new project on. Whatever you want, if it be, whether it be driven clays, whether it'll be driven grouse, whether it's stalking or shooting abroad, go and sell your shooting. They will square you away. And secondly, is V-Tactical. V-Tactical, again, is really military outfitters, but what they actually do is, if you bug them hard enough, they'll do do anything you want, okay? They love a challenge at V-Tactical, and they're worth checking out. A lot of my gear that I use is designed by them, um, or I bought something, had it modified, same thing. So, check them out, mention Outdoor Man, and they might even do you a good deal. And then, thirdly, if you want any um, decal print, printing being done, with t shirts, hoodies, stickers, check out Vision Vinyl. Vision Vinyl, if you go there and use the code Outdoor Man, you will get t- uh, t- 10% off. Just pull out the front of me, mate, that's fine, you loser. Um, you'll get 10% off, and you will be able to get some cool stuff. They're hoodies, t-shirts, they're doing base layers. How do I know all this? Because it's my other half's company. So Bug, Vision Vinyl for your cool swag, and they will deliver. So,
1: without further ado, let's dive in kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife it's time for the outdoor man podcast with the man himself outdoor man dan join us for fun stories useful how to's and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future from ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire let's get into today's show with your host outdoor man dan
2: for climate change and in many ways I actually have struggled to see the logic behind that and I'll tell you why. Is that there isn't a single gram of carbon that comes out of a cow that didn't start in the atmosphere. A cow isn't making (laughs) carbon. Carbon, The amount of carbon on and in the planet is finite. We we can't change elements. They, They can be combined with other elements in different forms but you're, you're not making new carbon. So, when a, when a cow belches or farts, uh, the two gases are producing, methane, CH4, and carbon dioxide, CO2, as we all know. Now, that gas, is, that carbon has only come from one place. The carbohydrate in the plant that the cow is eating, that carbohydrate has only come, the carbon in that carbohydrate has only come from one place. Carbon in the atmosphere, and it got the ethereal process called photosynthesis. So, UV light hits the you know the, the the plant cells pulls in carbon dioxide, combines it into long chains. You know, so the carbon that's coming out of the cow was or was in the atmosphere. The life cycle of that carbon is, is a maximum of nine years. So, methane in the atmosphere doesn't last for more than nine years. When it when it goes high up in the atmosphere. Uh, UV radiation breaks it back into carbon dioxide and water, CH4 into and H2O and CO2. Um, so, when it becomes carbon dioxide again, it can be uptaken by plants, turned into carbohydrates. Now, this is what's is called a closed loop. Right? So, you have a closed loop of ruminants, plants, breathing, farting, carbon dioxide, uh, photosynthesis. Uh, and that's a closed loop of nine or ten years. Uh, Since the 1970s, or even further back, we've really not significantly increased the number of grazing animals on the planet. And yet, atmospheric methane levels are rising rapidly. So it's really not possible that cows could be causing the problems. Now, when you look at fossil fuel usage in comparison, every gram of carbon dioxide that comes out of a car tailpipe started in the atmosphere. The difference was that carbon dioxide was last in the atmosphere one hundred and twenty million years ago yeah, and that 's where comparing cows to cars makes no sense whatsoever now,
1: if you 've got these cows and we have this closed loop system, if for example, you were to take those cows and you were to put them for as part of a rotational system
2: on some depleted arable land, so some, some arable land where the soil would become very low carbon convert it into pasture for a few years,
1: um, run run some cattle across it, sheep, cattle, dairy, whatever,
2: you build that soil back up, that carbon in the soil has come from the atmosphere. That's locked away now. Yeah. So if you don't plough it up and trash it again, that carbon will stay there. And that's a net loss to yeah. that closed loop. So to blame cow, uh, where this changes, however, is when you start feeding... Growing grains using chemical fertilisers, harvesting them using fossil fuels, and then shipping them around the world using fossil fuels to feed them to animals kept in a shed that were built by yeah. machines using fossil fuels and powered with lights running off, you know. Then, then that system is broken. Yeah. But within the context of the closed system, closed loop, it's not cows.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to kill the cows just yet then. No. Yeah,
2: I, it's,
0: I mean, the whole, the whole thing's got me from, from the start of dealing with, with anti, anti-hunting people, let alone activists and whatnot. It's always had me a bit boggled because it's a case of, hang on a minute, there is a system here that was working when we were still wearing fur and living in caves. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, you know, the planet wasn't being destroyed then. So we have done something yeah,
2: to do that. that. Yeah. yeah, a lot
0: of different things. And and you, th- and you think, hang on a second, how have we gone from let's kill the cows, let's get rid of them, and then just cows, no horses because horses don't make methane, or deer don't make methane, just cows, um, and and go to a plant based diet, or you know, or do this or do that, and you're like, yeah, hang on, there is there is a massive element missing out in the world.
2: Yeah, well, ruminants are, are a part of, they always have been, ruminants have been on the earth for, for in various forms, for millions of years. Yeah. They're a part of a natural cycle. And uh, I wrote a, a blog piece uh, a while ago, and I kind of researched it. It's called, uh, what is it? Something along the lines of the mutualism between grasses and grazers, looking at the life cycle of pasture and animals and how they're interlinked. Like it, it, the reason we mow our lawns and they grow better is is and then we spread f- and then we put like lawn feed on. That's basically we to make our lawns grow. We're doing the same thing as a sheep or a cow. Yeah. You know, we're cutting it and fertilizing it. Yeah. and that makes the, the grass grow better. I have
0: too- I have said over the years that the boss should have got a pony and put it on his lawn instead of me cutting it. <laughs> right. So, I can go with that.
2: Or, or, you know, yeah. if, you, if you don't go with a pony,
0: which is maybe not, you know, the most culturally sensitive thing to eat in the UK, <laughs> you could have producing food at the same time. You know, you know talking about lawn care, because lawn care, it's actually... How have we got onto that? i tell you why, because go, I'll go back to your point. So, you uh, know, you talk about chickens mm. earlier on, about how they come behind and they're scratching about something like that. The boss said to me, oh, I need to get some um, moss killer on the lawn. I went, you've got chickens there? What do you mean you've got chickens? I mean, look at that moss up, not a problem. What you've got to do is put a pen in, put chickens on, and they will scratch that moss up and yeah. do a way better job than what I can do with a scarifier, what the sprays can do, yeah. everything else. really? Yep, try it. And did it work? Yeah, it did. Excellent. Yeah, I remember years ago, Dad's chickens making a right mess on the lawn, and that's how I could, that's how I was like, yeah, I'll do that, no
2: problem. And the fertiliser? Yeah, it. And, you know, and, and you were either getting Eggs or chicken
0: out of the deal. Yeah, yeah, eggs. you're going for eggs. Um,
2: Very nutritious, fabulous food. Yeah, yeah, and I
0: and say it works, um, and they're under the and um, the uh, the uh, cooking apple tree as well. So, right, right, loving life, absolutely loving life at that point. Um, another one, actually, another funny story. Now, thinking about animals and and, and the ecosystem, is a friend of mine used to have um, some pigs that she used to kill for meat. And every, every, every like, sort of six months or whatever it would be, he'd put these pigs under these apple trees. Right. Uh, produce, and it, uh, he used to put them there to sort of finish them off. Yeah, yeah,
2: because yeah. So, yeah, they love windfall, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But they can sometimes get, I, I think I know what you're going to tell me. Here. These pigs got pissed. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you are going to say. Uh, they
0: spent, it they, they they happened they before they, they died.
2: They will actually go for fermenting apples,
0: don't they? Yeah, like they loved cider. it. Um, he had a sow which he used to put under there as well, just because he had you know the pigs and he used to have some piglets off it. And she was a grumpy cow. He
1: used to get her
0: out of the apple trees, and then when she was sort of had the hangover, she was a nightmare. What's that but yeah, onion? that was. I, f- I just forgot until we started talking about two, animals. Two now, kilos yeah. of
2: hungover sow. Yeah, yeah,
0: everything. yeah. Come on, <laughs> ah, come on. Yeah, no, fabulous. And and you know, I think it's funny. Dad said to me years ago uh, about a lot of a lot of problems with various bits and pieces. Because Dad's very um, black and white, um, he said, "Problem is nobody's got a garden anymore." I go, "Huh? Yeah, we used to have chickens didn't we, in the garden, and, and perhaps you could keep a pig, and you'd feed them your scraps, and you do this and you do that, and we wouldn't have these problems then." I went, "Get the point there?"
2: Yeah. Well, one of the I, I I wish I could remember the meme where I saw it it was on a Facebook group from somewhere in the States and it said that the household lawn is like the fifth biggest monocrop in America yeah right you know and, and people will people will eat organic fruit and veg when they go to the supermarket, market and then they'll come home and spray moss killer and you know yeah. um, fertiliser and everything on to have these like perfect patches of lawns and if you know, people, Not just Americans, same price here, but if we let like half of our garden, we threw down uh, bird seed and wildflower seeds, it would make such a difference to biodiversity. To everything. You know, it's like, you know, just to have, and we put hedgehog holes in the fences, for example, and, and yeah. do things like that. You know, if there is so much we could do to bring more wildlife into our gardens. And who really, I mean, to me, I, 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 I'm not really that interested in having a lawn that looks like a snooker table out at the back of my house, I'd rather see things that are living. I live in the centre of London and I have quite a small garden and I left a portion of it about as wide as this room running down one side and we just threw loads of seed down. And it's made such a difference to the animals and birds that I see in the garden.
0: Yeah, and and your daughter I should imagine as well.
2: You see different things as well. The kids love it, exactly. I said that. even there's wild things that then you can eat. You know, there's odd berries and leaves of things that we go, got. Yeah, I've kind of found out through a foraging group that that's edible now. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, I, th- I think we just need to rethink, rethink our back gardens as well.
0: I said that um, a while ago on a podcast about um, minimalist gardens. So everyone complains that there's no, you know, there's a dwindling number of wild birds and everything else. That's okay because if, if you have a hedge in your garden, you don't have a hedge anymore, you have a hedge that's this tall, which is fine, a bird can nest in that, mm-hmm. but so can the cat reach in and, and have the yeah, chicks yeah. Up. And I said, you know, I understand that we want a minimalist garden, but there's things we can do to help, that, you know, just put a bird box up, just do whatever. Or, you know, like I said, leave a little cord on that. Quite yeah, frankly, saw my garden. Or even,
2: even uh, something, uh, another thing that's incredibly beneficial to wildlife is a, is a wood pile. Yeah. You know, just um, particularly if you actually, if you organise it a bit, you stack the wood together so that the branches are all facing the same direction and then sort of bound it in some way, you will, you know, all, uh, solitary wasps, solitary bees, stag beetles, blah, 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 they will all yeah. choose to sort of nest in this thing. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that's amazing for just encouraging. The thing, the thing about ecosystems is that if you, if you help the bottom-ish trophic level, you help helping all the levels up.
0: Yeah, everything will benefit. And I mean, then
2: that's, yeah, that, that's an interesting, that's interesting how... Within Britain, when people are talking about regenerative agriculture, a lot of the conversation goes to uh, numbers. One of the easiest metrics to look at is the numbers of pollinating insects, and and that's you know that's where yeah we can anyone who's sort of an oldish adult in the UK will remember the difference as a kid of driving a car in the summer and how many bugs are on the windshield. now you mentioned it earlier, and I, I ride motorbikes and. You know, I have I have done for for several decades now, and the the number of times that I take a bumblebee in the face <laughs> yeah. compared to when I used to, it's like I mean those things hurt if you yeah. go at speed. It's like it's like getting shot, yeah, well yeah. maybe not, but you know, um, the amount of bugs is so low now. Yeah. So there's so few insects, and that's such an indicator of the state of health of ecosystems. Yeah.
0: Yeah, things have got to change. And I think what you've said about the, you know, the uh, progenitive, not sustainable, I think that is. Yeah, we need to regenerate,
2: because to me, sustainable means not making things any worse. Yeah. And and we actively need to, you know, when we talked earlier about rewilding, we need to not just leave it alone to get better. We need to push it. We need to help its hand to get better. And that's, that's the
0: difference. Um, some of the things that was front mind when you were talking about it, actually, was um, set-aside fields. P- set-aside fields aren't left anymore. You don't really get it anymore. I remember years ago, with Dad, going around shooting rabbits on set-aside, that old stubble that had been left, or, you mm-hmm. know, and think it's marvellous, because you could get on there and sh- in the winter time and shoot some rabbits, but you couldn't go on there, because it's drilled, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. Um, another thing which is beneficial to um, the soil in bits and pieces, which we can't do anymore was farmers used to burn stubble, stubble burn. off. I remember
2: that. When I was
0: and that. and the ash and everything else that used to go back into the soil yeah. was so much more beneficial than it being sprayed off and
2: yeah, the, a lot of um, potassium, phosphorus, and yeah. The rest of it, yeah,
0: and it's and it's all been lost. And and farmers used to do that for a reason. It wasn't just for a, you know for a fact. Yeah, used, oh farm. yeah, yeah, we'll just do that.
2: Yeah, stubble burning. i I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and. I remember it happening every year, you know, burnt off.
0: and I think we need to step back, and I was talking to... I don't know who I was talking there to. Must be, there must
2: be... That must have been stopped because of the... Safety and everything else. It was, was it not
0: carbon? carbon? Possibly, may have been.
2: It must be um, a, a carbon-positive
0: but, but the thing that gets me with that is that probably happened anyway. Like, you said about the circle of life. It probably not good for wildlife. But probably not good for wildlife.
2: But, I, yeah, I admit that probably happened, or, I mean, there are certain... Species of pine tree are there that, that need fire to reproduce, yeah. but that maybe didn't happen so much in northern Europe, no. where we live, you know. And um, I'm not sure that's a natural part of grassland. I don't, I don't know yeah.
0: because I did what I d- I've thought I've actually thought about this. I thought, well, what if maybe not so? Not, I suppose, you, yeah, you're right. I suppose I was thinking more of the odd field might have caught a light with a thunderstorm or yeah, something but, like that, but you're right, you know, thousand acres isn't going to go up, is it? <laughs> um. But it was something that has sort of been sort of ticking around in my mind about that sort of thing. Um, I don't know the point of that then, but it's gone. And while you stop,
2: it's going to Oh yeah, I could just start. feel that. I, I can feel that right. in my yeah.
0: Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Um, where was I going with that? We're nope, in, it's gone. We're on
2: burning.
0: Yeah. Um, no. Gone. Blank. Gone, gone. completely. Um, no, that's gone completely. <laughs> but no, I think, like you said, I think we've got. Uh, well, no, we definitely have got to do it. It's not a thing. It's definite. That's yeah, a definite and, thought. And
2: I think what you know, what what we as a business need to do is we need to think about. Um, I believe I, I've worked in in sort of advertising and marketing for for most of my life, and, and I'm a great believer in. Um, Consumer behavior driving industry change. So when customers are asking for something that creates an effect down the chain Yeah, and farmers really are responding to what people want. So people want The cheapest possible food at any cost They can do it. That's what they can do. That's what they will do If people start turning around and saying actually we don't want the cheapest food at any cost We're willing to pay for our food we willing to pay a little bit more, and we want the planet to be protected, and we want the food to be more nutritious, and we want to think that we're safeguarding the food for our children and their children. Farmers will do that. Yeah. So, everything that we've talked about, all the changes that we want to happen in the world, they come down to where you choose to spend your pound. Yeah. And one, you know, there's a there's a phrase that we use quite often in our business. We're often criticised for being expensive and we are expensive compared to the supermarket, yeah. we don't apologise for that. There is no such thing as cheap food. No. Somewhere, somewhere down the line, somebody, something pays the price for cheap food. Yeah. Whether that's the environment, whether it's your health, whether it's the welfare of the animals, whether it's the carbon footprint, but there is no such thing as cheap food. No. You cannot, you know, a price is paid. So. If you believe in the stuff that you and I—if people believe in the stuff that you and I have talked about today—the um, simplest way that you can make a difference is come to you. Well, come to me. <laughs> ask more questions about yeah. everything that you buy, about all the food you buy. It's like think, really think of: do you need a Mexican avocado in December when you live in the UK? Exactly. You know, I'm not saying don't ever have it. You know, I love it. I love guacamole as Yeah, but. does it need to be on your weekly shopping list or can you have it once a month do you need to buy um, factory farm chicken to feed your family or could you buy a a much better organic outdoor reared proper decent chicken learn you know cook the whole thing thing. break it down make stock honour the life and have better nutrition and spend a bit more money and have a bit more respect and reverence for it Hundred um, percent. You know, and, and it's just that mind shift.
0: And in all honesty, it's it's not hundreds of pounds difference. It's a few pence difference between if you if you stand in the supermarket and look at the Tesco Value compared to not the finest, but you know <laughs> the you know the, 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 the decent, the high end chicken. There's not much difference in price. So what's what's the difference between that and coming to somebody else and actually buying? Yeah, I think, decent. I think, decent. We,
2: I think we are. We are more expensive than Tesco. Yes, products, I'm sure you are. You know, but, but it's not.
0: But what, what I'm getting at is, it's not break your bank expensive. It's not.
1: No, no. But what you know, one of. The,
2: but I, I do appreciate that I am in a bit of a sort of, you know, middle class bubble in my life. Yeah. In that, in that, I can afford better food, and I choose to spend a proportionately larger amount of my income on food yeah. because of my awareness of this and. I have access to very good food, but I appreciate that a lot of people are trying to feed families on lower budgets. Yeah. And one of the things we're trying to do with the business is to—I haven't really talked about this publicly. So this is this is but we, breaking news. We, we are putting in what we call a Robin Hood pricing structure. Okay. Which means that we are charging a little bit more for the very premium primal cuts. So the fillet, uh, the rib-eyes, the, you know, the, um, the, the, the sirloins, the, the very, very expensive cuts of which you get a small amount on one animal, we're charging a little bit more for so that we can offer the cheaper cuts cheaper. Okay. So it's a way of balancing the cost of the animal a bit yeah. more. Because I don't want this... I want to democratise access to regeneratively-produced yeah. food. The only way we can do it, if you look at how classical economics works... It's supply and demand dictating price. When supply is high and demand is, is high, then the price can be come down. When, supply is, when demand is high and supply is low, the prices are very high. And the only way that we're going to get the prices down is by more people asking for this type of yeah. food. And then it will force yeah. more farmers to work, more competition will happen. And the crazy thing is, is when farmers revert to these methods, a lot of them have done it out of desperation. So a lot of farmers that we've spoken to have ended up saying, I never really intended to do regenerative farming. I I got to a point where I couldn't afford to do conventional farming, so I stopped buying inputs.
0: Yeah, sort of start playing around a little bit. And then found
2: out that suddenly I'm producing food, and the only inputs are sunlight and rainwater, and the land looks better, and the meat tastes better. And So it, it doesn't need to be more expensive. It really doesn't need to be more expensive. And we are doing our best to bring the prices down to be affordable for every level of income.
0: And if people want to come to you for, say, produce, how do they get here?
2: Um, very simple. Ethicalbutcher.co.uk. Um, we're very active on um, social media channels. So if you have any questions about what we do, uh, how we do things, and what our thoughts and processes are, then uh, we are very open to discussing all aspects of our business on social. We often quite, we have some often quite lively discussions with people with differing views on what we do. We really try and engage with all of that, but the website is our sales vehicle.
0: Um, And if you can't afford to buy the meat from here, it's all right. If you go down the road, there'll be some roadkill somewhere, which is just as difficult. Um, qu- before I go, there is one other question which I it did spring to mind earlier on and I forgot to ask, was, so you've got beef downstairs, you've got pork downstairs, mm-hmm. and you've got venison downstairs. Are you going to go into anything else? We,
2: we're looking very closely into feathered game. Yeah. Um, I think that's really pretty much the only thing we're not selling at the moment. Yeah. There are a few things, actually there are a few other things. We, we don't have a lot, we don't sell a lot of other poultry other than our soy free chicken. Yeah. Um, I would love to sell duck, I'd love to sell goose, and I'd love to sell turkey year round. The reason we don't is I haven't found producers that meet our standards who are doing it.
0: That'd be very hard to.
2: Well, we're working with, there's a guy who's doing a project next year who's gonna do year round turkey. Uh, I, I think turkey is a wonderful meat. Yeah. It's a more efficient meat than chicken. And when turkey's produced well, it's delicious, it's yeah. juicy, it's gamey, it's rich, has a wonderful flavor to it. And there's a huge difference. When you travel to America and you go to a deli or you go to like the deli section, there's more sliced turkey and turkey cuts and turkey thighs than there is chicken. Yeah. You know, it, it really is a you know a, a <coughs> prominent white meat and, and I think we could do more of that in the UK. I think it's it's you know it's very efficient converter of cheap produce into good meat so i want to push turkey and we found a farmer who's going to do soy free naturally reared outdoor turkeys got yeah duck goose i really want to find producers that will work with us to get the soy out of the food chain and i need to dive a bit more i need to honestly get my own head around a bit more whether our selling feathered game fits in with what we consider to be ethical
0: that's a funny one because I've said this before about pheasants. Yeah. So when you stu- they're
2: non-native, they're now invasive, but they're fed. They're fed often a ration containing soy, which is yeah. no good for us. And they are arguably only produced for sport, which again yeah. is for me is it's not hunting for food. It's yeah. it's a different thing. I need to think about it. Yeah,
0: and after this, well, I've done an episode with. Um, what, uh, with with Katie who I put down as the vegan hunter um, and she is vegan but she's, she's, she's shot deer and eaten deer eating venison um, it's, 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 she's got a really cool outlook on, on the whole thing that's amazing and I said look I would love to sit here and say that 300, 300 bird pheasant shoot day
2: is ethical I can't yeah
0: um,
2: that's interesting that you know, you from a hunting background think, think the same way
0: as I do. The way I grew up at sat on standing Estate mm. and it's all wild bird, and that I get. Um, <clears throat> and, and I, I th- again,
2: in, in that system, are you as a hunter? Are you taking the place of the apex predator that no longer exists? Is, it, is kind of? But
0: it you a numbers control, or? it's a. Do you know what? I don't know. And without thinking about it, I don't really know the answer to that. It's a case of little bit put in a bubble, I suppose. So you, you control the predators to produce the game, mm-hmm. then shoot the game.
2: Right, okay, so you're deliberately keeping the predator yeah. numbers down so that the game can...
0: But survive. the offset of that is the wildlife that you see on an estate like that. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this...
2: Because you're allowing a balance. And I
0: think the lead. good yeah. overdoes... The bad. the bad yeah ok um, that's only my views I've seen 300 bird shoot, date, shoot uh, shoots as it were or shoots that do more than that and and the woods are desecrated and things aren't good and I think and, and, I, and, I, and it's only my opinion but I think we're going to lose that shooting sooner rather than later right,
2: right, right.
0: because people won't stand for it um, but in the grand, but there is ethical size to it, I think. If you to yeah, source the
2: conservership that happens with shooting, yeah. there's a lot of like uh, I mean, I, I, I know no. where, where I grew up in rural Nottinghamshire, um, there's a lot of coppice and a lot of yeah. land and woodland that is kept only because it supports game. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, I and, think. And that, but it doesn't just support game, of course. When, yeah. when you make an environment to keep wild ish pheasants and feed yeah. them with the blue feeders hanging up, then there's the opportunity for lots of other things to yeah. live in that space as well. Yeah. So the, the
0: amount of mice that I've chucked out of hoppers because they've gone up inside and made a nest. No, don't know you come, me buggers.
2: <laughs> but but they, they, you know, those other animals wouldn't be there unless you yeah. said so. And I've seen that It actually. might not be the best. Um, it might, the intention might not be great, but the end result is It's, it's fantastic. Is
0: Absolutely fantastic. I've seen... So, where I am is 100 acres, what I shoot. It's you're t-
2: you're t- in Ipswich, right Yeah, now.
0: yeah, okay. Suffolk. And actually, the shoot is Essex, to my sins. Um, so,
2: you're on that sort of
0: edge? Right on the border. Really? And my shoot's 100 acres, it's tiny. When I first went to look round there, because of my... my Shoot, captain was like "Oh, could you shoot? do a would you come do it for me I was like mm-hmm. so we had to drive around had a look and there was nothing there was a lot of rabbits there was a few buzzers flying around not a lot else right. I've come in there I've coppiced trees laid laid trees as well so that means keeping them alive but on the side like laying hedges right, yeah. so they could so they could say so so bush up but yeah. lower down tried to get brambles in there I've you've tried to get around, the yeah, um, and all that. Um, in the last five years, the change in wildlife that is on the shoot.
2: So, you've regenerated, you've, yeah. you've actively it's, regenerated yeah. landscape. It um, wouldn't happen as quickly had you just done nothing, yeah. You know, okay, this is our difference between rewilding regenerating, yeah.
0: You know? And it's fabulous, and it's, it's, you know, there's, there's more sparrowhawks in you know, than I've had seen, which I love. You know, it's I'm I'm a a funny one. I I love to see the birds, all the birds, as much as like like shooting the pheasants. Actually, to be honest, I couldn't care less if they shot a pheasant or not. My job's there to produce game, not to kill game. Yeah. So, so I you know I control the foxes, and again, that's loosely because I've I've got so many things going on that I don't game very often, Um, and and everything, the population of everything has improved. Yeah, rabbits have gone down. but a a good gamekeeper doesn't really worry about rabbits because rabbits make natural drawing places and various bits and pieces for other game Um, and yeah I could I could I could arguably sit here all day and say that's ethical because of the because in my eyes the ways that grow the means
2: yeah yeah
0: Um, but if we were talking about a thousand bird shoot day I'm like like, yeah avoid that one yeah so I get so I get where you're coming from with it and I, I understand um
2: No, but so yeah, in answer to your question, we're we're super excited to offer this parkland venison, which which um, which we showed you earlier, and um, and we are starting to put that into the B two B. So we've got a restaurant called Silo, which is a fantastic zero waste restaurant in London, Uh, and they use a lot of invasive species. So they consider venison to be pretty much the most ethical meat you can possibly have in the UK, and I, I would agree with that. Um, it's, um, it's an invasive species, it, the numbers need to be controlled for the good of other yeah. farmland and itself. Um, so, we're, we're, we're very excited about the introduction of venison. Yeah. And, and we really, one of the big missions going forward is to rebrand venison. I mean, it used to be yeah. the king's food, it was the original red meat of the British Isles. Yeah. And now, a, a lot of the time, when the venison is killed on, on the estate, You know, the the backstrap, the the expensive cuts are taken, the rest of it, it's often going into pet food, and we've got this incredible, carbon neutral, free, virtually free, highly nutritious, delicious red meat of that's criminal. Yeah. It's because people don't know how to cook it, they don't know what to do with it, they've lost their taste for it, or like me, they had a bad experience of it when they were a kid. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you. I'm I, all I, I know i preaching them. to the converted here, but I, I hadn't eaten venison for, until recently, I hadn't eaten venison for 30 years because I remember eating it as a kid and it tasted like an old boot that someone had dragged out of yeah. the canal, you know, Yeah, it was yeah. funky and musty and horrible, and it had been hung for too long, and it was probably an old stag. Yeah. And now, when venison are, are cold from an, from an estate, they take a cross-section, male, female, different ages, you know, as would happen in nature, and they're very mindful of the eating quality. And I, I've been cooking some here to put on our website, and it's delicate. It's like, it's like fillet steak with a tiny bit of funk. Yeah. But the, the funk bit is pretty, is pretty minimal, isn't it, on on good medicine?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm bad for it or have been bad for it. Since starting my venture with The with, Outdoor Man, I've gone, I eat more fish now, I eat all sorts. Um, but that's because I fish for it. But I've tried to show my, my daughters that d- food doesn't just come in a...
2: Packet? Yeah,
0: no. or a um, animal-shaped, you know N- the chicken nugget. Dino nugget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and and it's and it and actually it's gone down a hit in my house. So I can now and my missus is like, Well, I don't really eat rabbit. Hey, you tried it? Well not really. Well like, last time I had it it wasn't very nice. I went right, let's have it my way. Yeah. You know, and, and put it in a white wine sauce and all of a sudden she went, Oh it tastes like chicken. It really does taste like chicken. Very lean chicken um, and, and stuff like that and, and I've sorta of got my family to sort of just slowly come round to it. But I said even, even um, in my new venture with the, the video that I'm doing that I don't care if my daughter becomes vegan. I don't care if she becomes an animal activist. Mm. I don't care what she does as long as she's happy. But what I do care about is knowledge. She's going to go into it with that,
2: that clear. Yeah, and then make your own, yeah. own life up from
0: there. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. It's <laughs> been a thank pleasure. you. That's a great way
2: to wrap up. Well, it's been an absolute make pleasure. Make whatever decision you want, exactly. Based it on some facts indeed
1: you've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast we're glad you're here we'd love to connect with you on social media find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor on Instagram outdoor underscore man underscore podcast on Facebook Outdoor Man Podcast and you can even reach us by email dan at outdoorman.uk let us know your outdoor questions and be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life until next time Be the example.